Well, fast to my good afternoon. Welcome along to Manx Radio's Man in Line for Monday, 9th of January. Apologies, Andy Wynn. Still a little croaking under the weather. Get well soon, Andy. You've got me for the next hour. It's open line. What would you like to talk about? Well, as you've heard in the news there, the Isle of Man Trade Union Council is not happy uh, with the comments recently made by the Chief Minister on the Man in Line regarding uh, trade union legislation. They claim he's brought the Isle of Man into disrepute, both domestically and internationally. We'll talk about that topic very shortly. Also, tourism. Does it really have a hope on the Isle of Man? Should we invest in it? Or do we just say, our island is beautiful, you should come here? Well, is tourism on the up or on the down? That, along with a whole host of different topics that uh, uh, we can talk about. Maybe not even on my list. You never know, you might have an extra topic you'd like to throw in there. 66 13 68, as always, is the number to call. Or you can send a text, 166 Phone calls always get through first. So if you want to actually talk about a topic, do give us a call. Uh, OK, and we'll try and get your text. We'll try and get to your, um, uh, your WhatsApp messages as well, 166 Um Of course, strike action. It's once again on the cards um, in the next couple of days uh, with members of the NASUWT. Um, But the statement you heard about in the news, let me read it to you in full, actually, whilst we've got a few moments together. Um, This is from, it was a letter from the Isle of Man Trade Union Council uh, to MLCs and MHK members uh, regarding the recent comments made publicly by uh, the Chief Minister Alfred Cannon. Um, It says, we're writing to you to express our deep concern and disquiet on behalf of trade unions across the island at the recent interview comments of the Chief Minister on a Manx Radio live show. We wish to remind you that the Isle of Man is a signed-up member to the ILO, that's the International Labour Organisation, and Conventions 87 and 98, um, of which um, both Conventions 98 and 87 on the freedom of association and protection of the right to organise represents essential building blocks for a harmonious, stable and progressive industrial relations that can continue to contribute to sustainable development of empowering workers and employers to find solutions. Therefore, the Isle of Man government has a both moral and legal obligation to adhere to these international protocols, and the views expressed by the Chief Minister in this public interview fundamentally depart from these principles and legal requirements. Uh, The right to strike and to work to rule and contract are upheld in Manx trade union legislation. All recognised trade unions, when in dispute, have the right to ballot their members, adhere to the legislation as set out and take appropriate strike action and work to rule as per their mandate from their members. Uh, The recent comments by the Chief Minister bring the Isle of Man into disrepute both domestically and internationally. In addition, it is inappropriate for the Chief Minister to appeal to condone and agree with derogatory and inflammatory comments on a live radio show about serving a public servant. A representative of any recognised trade union is the facilitated voice of the members. As stated in the Code of Practice on the Recognition of Trade Unions, no individual should suffer detriment as a result of their role. The Chief Minister has stated his commitment to end the culture of bullying and intimidation in the Isle of Man government following the Ranson inquiry. However, these recent comments seriously undermine the integrity of those statements. In conclusion, we're calling for a withdrawal of these comments and a public commitment to adhere to both the Isle of Man trade union legislation requirements and the ILO conventions. And we've received that from Debbie Halsall, who's the Isle of Man Trade Union Council president. And as you heard in the news, Manx Radio has approached the Isle of Man um, government for um, comment on that. Have you any comments on that? 
Now, there's always two sides, isn't there, to strike action? Um, that if you're someone who's seriously inconvenienced by the strikes, um, yes, you might feel frustration that actually they just need to get on with it. There's no money available um, is always the line. Or if you're on the other side, if you're a person then that is living a lifestyle that has forced you into strike action, you feel, actually you feel you've got a, a cause worth fighting for. Um, so... Do you think that actually in this economic climate, we are leaving people behind? We're a society of haves and uh, have-nots on the Isle of Man. That's been said many times, um, that people who work in certain industries that are very high payers, okay, certain upper echelons of the civil service, e-gaming and things like that, um, they're not doing as badly as some people who might be in the hospitality industry, for example. So um, let's hear your opinions on it. 66, 13, 68. But first, I managed a whole show on Friday without David Quirk. David, where were you? Good afternoon. I, I tell you the truth. I was ringing and ringing. I was trying to get on first to tell you the truth ah. before, before any of the other characters got on. And I thought to myself, have I got the wrong number? So I turned it off again and tried to ring back again. And it didn't connect, so I went out. Well, it's good to have you on, David. What do you want to talk about this afternoon? Uh, a couple of things first. is regarding the post offices and mm. uh, an initiative that government should be taking or picking up. And we should be getting, trying to get Andy to get Stu Peters in as the chairman of the post office and say to, them, to Stu Peters and his board and the government to say, why can't they be a bank? You look at all the post offices we've got now mm-hmm. and uh, the potential of money they've got behind the counter, there's a potential there to them being banks. They do it in rural areas in likes of Scotland and other places in Wales. When you, when, you say, when you say be a bank, do you mean the, the post office as an organisation or something along the lines of, yeah. let, let's, let's give, throw an idea out here, that if um, the citizens <laughs> of Ramsey are very unhappy about losing HSBC, that maybe an HSBC yeah. counter could be hosted within a post office. Which one are you going for? Well, it could be that. I, I know that um, the, the one in Onken, because I, I went in there over Christmas and somebody said to me that Barclays are packing in there too. So there, will, there won't be an opportunity for, I don't know when it's going to happen, I must try and find out, that Barclays, you can't go to the uh, post office in Onken, which is very good, and you can't use your account anymore. I mean, I mean we'll, we'll lose and have you all got the, these. Is that, is that an official statement, David, or is that just um, whispers around no, the village? No, no, I, I, I know the person who told me that, and I know the pers- uh, one of the two of the people who um, are in the, uh, the pensions club in Onken have said to me, we can't use the bank, and they're Barclays customers because they transferred from the Isle of Man. Remember the Isle of Man? Mm-hmm. Closed, every, closed everything down, and people were struggling, and they went to the post office, and uh, they opened up accounts. And I believe, um, well, I haven't, not from the horse's mouth yet, but I believe that Lloyd's are trying to do something towards Castletown. Right. That's Lloyd's bank, sorry. Okay. Um, um, but once again, is this is this just the, the rumour on the grape? Oh, I mean... Oh, Oh no! It's it, most of the stuff I get is per, uh, from uh, people who are in in a know. The trouble is with the Isle of Man, um, and I, I'm not worried a great deal on to to because if I make a mistake, I can always apologise, can't I? Well, the or, um, inter- interestingly enough, David, you'd never make a you'd never make a journalist because you have to have verified sources. At the moment, you're doing what's equivalent to Facebook <laughs> fake news. I've heard a whisper, and a company's doing this. Yeah. Well, no, listen, uh, wouldn't that be a, an ideal thing for Max Radio Newsroom then, to chase these things? Yeah, no. Uh, we, we get we, a lead. We, we, we oh, get uh, a lead. We'll follow that up. So Barclays... Yeah, I forgot... Oh, sorry, I was going to say I forgot to tell you too. Um, 
here personally on the radio. I'm not connected to any other organisations or local authorities. Oh, right. Just in case anybody's listening. Okay. Um, so, All right. it, what benefit oh. do you feel then that if the post office became a bank, people could have savings accounts? Would that benefit yeah. the post office itself? Because we know the challenges it's facing already. It, it would. And you look at the, the English post office itself, you can actually invest in there. They do bonds and they do. And I know pe- people who definitely know people who've got premium bonds and they say now and again they win. Mm. So there's there's opportunities there, and we like you say that the, the post office hopefully will exist in some sort of form when it's connected to something else. But we need to explore those avenues and harden them up, and then we can encourage people who are sometimes struggling or just want cash, you know, the day to day running cash and go to the post office. On the flip side, usually local. On the flip side of that, uh, David, isn't that then a huge liability? Uh, because the one thing that premium bonds, you used as an example there, premium bonds are effectively backed by the UK government. So um, if yeah. if you're going to lose your money through premium bonds, the uh, the UK's got bigger problems because the country's gone down effectively. Um, isn't, yeah, but... Who's going to back them? Who's going to back the post office with the liability of if um, there is financial turmoil? Um, who's well, going to be con- the, the, the backer? They have connections with the, the UK post office. There are reciprocal agreements on, on different things, on uh, the mail, the parcels, bits mm. and pieces, and running a, um, using the, uh, the, the investments as well. You can actually invest in uh, UK post offices in schemes, which we can't do here. Now, I can't see, it would be fairly simple for the, our government to get things together. They're supposed to be working as a team. And I could just quickly say, because before I forget, is there's going to be MLC elections. They're not standing, so don't worry about that. But I, I don't even remember that person standing for election. And I can't even remember her name. And I... You Diane, know, Di- oh, you're referring, you're referring to Diane Kelsey. Um, she stood at the yeah. same time as Paul Crane. Yeah. All right. Well, I, I you know, apologise. I didn't even know... You should have been listening to Manx Radio, David. Come on. <laughs> no, I listened to it this morning. I thought to myself, who is that person and when did she get in? And what's going to happen? But maybe there should be an opportunity, now the MLCs are up, to reduce them. I did ask the Chief Minister that, but he wouldn't enter into a fray on that. There is an opportunity maybe to drop a two of them off, or one or two now and again off, and get them down to a caucus, which we, we all live with. But the problem is that they've been trying to re... re um... Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, they've been trying to uh, change the upper house, both yep. in this parliament and the UK parliament, for many years. And the problem is that yeah. uh, all the different proposals have fallen through, and you're not going to get Turkey to vote for Christmas, surely? Well, that's where the public should come in. We should make it either a referendum I- issue if they can't push it forward, or just say to to uh, the electorate, which is in the House of Keys, that's the caucus and the body which should be pushing stuff forward. We're going to do this. And um, you look at all the issues they've got now in the UK, we're a microcosm of it here. We should be doing these things fairly easy. We should be picking things up and saying, we could do this. We could have that opportunity. Mm -hmm. How many companies have they uh, encouraged to come to the Isle of Man and relocate? Well, that's a whole different topic, isn't it? That's for locate.im, no. and um, there is relocation yeah. options available. Yep. But um, uh, To be honest, David, with, with ideas like that, you should stand to be an MHK, you know. I know. Listen, I've got Manx Radio, and I've only paid... <laughs> <laughs> and when people whinge all the time, the amount of people that say to me when I go to the supermarket, can you ask them about this and ask them about that? 
I, I would encourage people who are listening, who love me, hate me, or whatever, is to come on yep. and vent, vent uh, a thought or an idea. You may, you may. The older, older generation has been through it, so we have a lot of ideas. We need to push them out. To be honest, I, I, for once, I couldn't agree with you more. Um, we would encourage anybody who's not wrong uh, in the first time. I don't bite. So give us a call, yeah. 66 13 68. Yeah. I'm going to move on. I've got a ton of comments to get through, though, David. So okay. have Cheers, a good day. Bye. Take care. Um, no, he's got a very good point there, David. You know, do always ring. Don't just say to someone else, will you ring for me? Okay, no, we'd love to hear you on the radio. This is It's your station. Uh, do give us a call, 66 13 68. Let's have a look at some of your um, texts coming in. Text to 828 says, in regards to David Quirk's comments, the post office did house a bank for maybe 20 years ago. I forget its name. And the post office were also agents for National Savings and Investment Bank, which is what we know as premium bonds. Uh, but the Isle of Man government let that bank pull out, and now money has to be sent to Glasgow. He's living in the past. Um, uh, a text in from, uh, let's have a look, uh, double... 607. Alex, I think the Chief Minister's comments represented the values and behaviours he's claiming to want to get rid of in government. Mr Cannon seems to want to come across as both tough with unions and also caring. In my view, he's dictatorial and behaving as a bully. How many senior civil servants have suddenly disappeared on gardening leave since he was appointed and the true figure of payoffs has still not been released? Um, The FOI request... Um, asked for figures on redundancy, not non-contractual termination costs. Do some digging. He's not walking his own talk, says Sue. Uh, Sue, thank you very much for that message. You have to bear with me. You see, long messages appear as about six emails all at once, so I've got to go across all of them. Um, Pat says, Lloyd's Castletown is 100% closing down. Thank you, Pat. We will follow that up. Um, John says, though, Barclays Bank in Castletown give an excellent service. Bit of positivity on the moaning line. Um, we like that. Um, John, on the other side, says Alf Cannon is right. Trade unions needs their wings clipped on the Isle of Man, with my view. The public sector is costing the Isle of Man far too much with their virtual free pensions. It's no wonder that the rest of us have been forced to work until we're 70 to pay for them. Well, um, there was a story that ran on Saturday, wasn't there, that the government is seeking to um, uh, get a new government external relations director um, with a price tag of £104,000. Um, it could be up to the uh, the success, successful candidate will be paid between £94,000 and £104,000 with a relocation package of up to £10,000 available. OK, so that's a, 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 pri- um, a public sector job. OK. Do you think it's worth that kind of money? Because there's two sides of things. One, you'd sit there and go, £104,000 for working in government on a small island like this compared to the average salary. Or is it a case that if you don't offer the right salary, you don't get the best people? Mm, you know, if, if you if you pay peanuts, you get monkeys, that kind of phrase. Um, what else have we got here? Um, has David Quirk thought about joining forces with Phil Gorn in taking over Manx Radio? Imagine that. Two political geniuses running the local wireless, says Fran. Uh, you know, trade descriptions might have you on that, Fran, he says, tongue in cheek. Um, all right, let's have a look. Um, Texter854 says, The Chief Minister is totally right. These teachers' strikes are totally intolerable. My son in year 10 has missed out so much of high school, first due to COVID and then these ridiculous teacher strikes. Get back to work, teachers. Once again, we should point out that, of course, there is only one union that has uh, got strike action. Uh, so it doesn't, um, it's not a blanket um, strike from all teachers' unions. But thank you. Yeah, it goes back to what I said earlier. On one side of the argument, you've got people who are inconvenienced. And yet, this person who's texted in without their name, 854, what do you do as your job? And if your employer 
um, in your view, wasn't treating you well, what would, action would you take to improve the situation? Okay, So there's always two sides to every argument. And I'd like to hear both. Um, what else have we got? Um, someone else says apparently it was TSB that was in the post office. Well, it was TSB became Lloyd's TSB, didn't it? Mm, they, they merged. It used to be, what was it, the bank that used to say yes, from what I recall. Bill, thank you for your WhatsApp. I think we have 24 MHKs costing 1.5 million a year um, minimum without all the other staff around them, 3,500 people. What do they actually do? Well, as much as I would love to jump on the civil service, you know, um, banging bandwagon, uh, there's a lot of things that I think you wouldn't really believe. That It's great being on the outside, being able to say, we can run this better, we can run that better. And then you realise that if you haven't got those people there and suddenly services disappear or things aren't done. Have you not noticed since the uh, the VAT bombshell of 2008, hedges don't get trimmed as much? The island just looks tattier because you haven't got as many people working, for example, in infrastructure, um, keeping the islands tat- tidy, you know, sorting out pavements, emptying drains, those kind of things. Because we've cut back on all these people that, what do all these people do? Well... You see the result of it when they're not there. There's a bit of a one for you. John. Um, uh, this is a Big John. He says, can we have more dialogue about the reinstatement of the youth justice team to help struggling teenagers who fall foul of the law educate them, not prosecute them, um, help not to persecute? That's a concerned resident. Well, in the UK, we are seen as um, a jurisdiction that has very severe um, penalties um, in terms of crime. We're not seen as a place that actually um, offers effect and not rejuvenation. What's the word I'm looking for? Rehabilitation. More to the point where we're happy to slap with severe sentences. Is that right or wrong? Who knows? Um, David. Final one from David, and then we'll move on. Um, good afternoon, Alex. Very polite, thank you. Um, if I caught your introduction correctly, the Manx TUC have derided the Chief Minister's response to derogatory and inflammatory comments on a man in line phone-in. Um, do we know what the comments were? It was my question to Alf that brought about his response. Are we potentially looking at legislation to deal with industrial disputes and the unaffordability of the NASUWT's unreasonable demands? I would suggest um, that perhaps it is the NASUWT who are being inflammatory. My understanding is there is plenty more to come out about that particular union and its membership in the coming weeks. Thank you, David, for once again just throwing us a bit of a rumour there. If you've got any evidence, David, that's what we're after. That's how proper journalism works. Send me some evidence. You can email studio at manxradio.com. Now, tonight, Phil Gorn's here at six. At its sitting on the 14th of March 2023, the House of Keys will elect four members of the Legislative Council. MHKs will want to elect the best people for the job, although it's not always clear what that job entails. Following the 2021 general election, two LegCo seats became available and one was filled by Diane Kelsey. Mrs Kelsey has been relatively quiet since she was elected, so what does she stand for and what does she make of her new role? Find out on Agenda at 6pm this evening with me, Phil Gorn, on Manx Radio. Everything you ever wanted to know about one of our newest Timbal members but didn't like to ask. The Man in Line, brought to you by NetZeroMatrix.com, the Isle of Man's main Net Zero progress website. 
It's just gone 25 past 12. Manx Radio's man in line for a Monday afternoon. Uh, lovely to hear you on the phones. If you want to give me a call, 66 13 68. Rather quiet today. David Quirk was first in and obviously didn't wind anyone up enough to, to ring in and challenge him on something. So uh, if anything you feel you need to get off your chest, give me a call. It'd be great to chat to you. Tony's ear messaged in. Now, um, I, I heard this story doing the rounds, and if I remember rightly, it was debunked, but I'm not entirely sure. I will read out this, but um, I can't claim whether it's factually um, uh, appropriate or not. Tony, if you can give me the full evidence, that would be great. Um, uh, he says, uh, Hi, good on those doctors in the news for calling out the assisted dying agenda. They introduced it in Canada for strictly end-of-life care patients, but now they provide the service for all sorts of people, young, old, people with depression, physical disabilities, long COVID and age concerns. Where does their line lie. What about a doctor's Hippocratic Oath? Do no harm. We introduce assisted suicide at our peril. They'll open it wide and make the poor feel obligated into dying. No good. Thanks, Tony. So, uh, Tony, if you can send me some evidence behind those claims, uh, I would be uh, interested to uh, hear them. And we, you know, our news team will put them to uh, Dr. Alex Allenson, who is, of course, um, pursuing that um, bill through uh, or presenting it to Timwald. Um, uh, let's have a look. Um, Steve says, can the chief minister tell us how the ordinary man in the street benefits from his uh, trips away? Um, money just down the drain. Thank you, Steve. Well, th- this almost falls, as much as I, um, I'm, I'm defending government here, this falls into those categories of um, that there is economic benefits, isn't there? If the Isle of Man is doing more international trade and the Isle of Man's economy is doing better, we all do better. But you can't pin it on every individual little thing, I would imagine they'd say. Um, but uh, let's have a look. Um uh, oh, interesting. A text from 753. Why suggest people contact Man in Line when comments seem to be censored t- sometimes? If a minister is appearing, especially so. It's all kept very nice. When are you going to move on from that? Well, to be honest, you don't have to be nasty to make a point. Okay? You can challenge people. You can be nice to people. Whereas it might make you feel better. You might not get the information you request. I can assure you that we don't censor comments at all. Um, when there are lots of people on the phone, we don't get through every text. We read them all and uh, we follow up um, comments, but um, that we, we never censor anything. So um, we're not necessarily going to suddenly start being nasty to people. It it doesn't get you the result you want. Um, here we go. Um that um, Fred says um, you've uh, just said that the island heavily punishes criminals. Um, may I add, you're wrong in your statement. If you're caught with drugs, yes, you get punished. Um, caught with indecent images, the Manx courts give you a slap on the hand. Does this mean they condone this behaviour? Um, once again, Fred, um, if you want to give me the, the, the evidence to that as opposed to your opinion, um, that would be great because um, there are comments that says you'll see a lot on social media about um, sentencing of uh, people found with cannabis and said that actually we're wasting a huge amount of court's time, some people think, um, with what is considered um, very um, trivial to some people in terms of um, a crime. Let's have a look. Oh, crikey. What have we started when it comes to the banks? Um, Now we believe that Barclays was in the post office. At at the moment, um, there seems to be every bank has been in the post office at some point. So thank you very much. Okay, for all of you texting in saying that every different bank branch has been in the post office. Um, Right, uh, let's have a look at this one. A texter in from 802. 
saying, in regard to the banks closing branches, this is a plan by all banks to drive everyone to use online services. Unfortunately, there's a lot of people in society that are unable to use these services for various reasons. We made this point on the Friday's Man in Line. The banks are therefore discriminating as a result of these closures. They're also transferring the workload onto customers. We now have to raise our own payments, maintain our accounts. Um, Whereas when we had checks, these were all processed by the bank. Just think of how much money they are saving. As the public, we need to use the banking counters and there needs to be government intervention to ensure that all banks have a presence to prevent discrimination. Interestingly enough, on the other side of it, um, we got a statement through um, uh, over the weekend that the proposed closure of the HSBC Ramsey Bank was described as disappointing by the Department for Enterprise. Okay, Um, it intends to, HSBC intends to move the Douglas outlet to Strand Street as well. Um, The corporation says the move forms part of their commitment to the island, whereas Ramsey Town Commissioners is urging the bank's management to consider a rethink on that. Um, Do bear in mind, of course, the the Department of Enterprise in January 2022 uh, published an access to cash report. You'll find the link for that on the Isle of Man's, uh, on Manx Radio's website. Um, But... The statement we received from the Department for Enterprise says Finance Isle of Man and the Department for Enterprise maintain a strong relationship with the island's banks. Whilst branch closures continue to be a matter of concern for consumers and businesses in the community, we recognise that this decision is ultimately commercial and is a result of global trends in consumer behaviour and a move to mobile banking. We note that HSBC will be supporting its Ramsey-based customers during this period of transition and will still offer key services including the provision of credit cards from the Douglas branch. Whilst it's disappointing to see the close of the Ramsey branch, it's encouraging to see that the bank is moving to a new central location in Douglas. So that was from the Department for Enterprise. That's your government that you fund with your taxes, saying that they recognise the concern for consumers consumers and businesses in the community, but then recognise that the decision is ultimately commercial. They just find it disappointing. So the question is, in their statement, they say, we notice that HSBC will be supporting its Ramsey-based customers during the period of transition. Well, giving them all taxis and buses to Douglas? I doubt it. What's your opinions? 66, 13, 68. Um, Let's go to um, Bonzo. Ah, some New Year wokeness. Bonzo. Yes. Happy New Year. Yes, Happy New Woke Year. Yes, when when everything I hope will be uh, marvellously woke. Excellent stuff. What would you like to talk about today, Bonzo? Well, well, besides giving everyone compulsory three cappuccino, you know, three espressos. Yes, and avocado on toast, of course. Absolutely smashed. Yes, of course. Yeah. And fixed gear bicycles. Of course. Yeah, right. Uh, apart from that, the why is the Isle of Man civil service so big, as somebody says, or some other people say? Yes. Um, right. Well, the thing is, is what is a civil servant? Now, if you uh, compare uh, the Isle of Man population, about eighty-five thousand people, isn't it? And uh, you know, has a sort of reasonable large general purpose hospital and stuff, it equates to somewhere like Warwick and Leamington. Yes. Right? Warwick has a district council. And Warwick's district council is the thing that looks after all the schools in the area that are academy trusts or whatever. Um, it's the thing that does the local roads. It's the thing that does trading standards. Um, it's the thing that does social services. It, it, it does you know, all manner of things at that local level. They are local authority employees. They are not civil servants. Likewise, everyone at Warwick 
district hospital, which is a hospital equivalent size to Nobles. Um, they are employed by the National Health Service. They're not civil servants. Mm-hmm. But all those people in our system are civil servants. So you can quite easily see how how the uh, the size of the government function is in terms of the number of people in it seemingly bigger than you would think. But also you then have um, a central government civil service, like in Whitehall, because you are a, a sort of nation. So you have an aircraft re- uh, and shipping registry. So you have a treasury electing taxes. Um, so you have a department of infrastructure looking after the, the whole national infrastructure and ports and, and, and things like that and foreign represent, representation, which is why you need someone as head of external relations who is of the caliber um, and the sort of authority rank to have a hundred thousand pound salary, which I think is about sort of grade five um, in UK civil service terms. Mm. So you know, it, it, that's about the rate for the job. So the two sides of this are um, Bonzo. I mean, uh, you've mentioned Warwick there. Warwick's population is about one hundred and fifty thousand um, at last year's um, census estimate. Um, it, it's the side that. We we are a small nation, and because of the scale of our population, circa 85,000, that certain services cannot be operated by the private sector, and if we want them, um, we pay our taxes to have these services um, produced for us. And that gets into the big argument of, you know, if we don't have these services provided that we pay our taxes for, you don't really get a refund. I'm sure Douglas ratepayers will enter into that argument. Um, but the other side of the things is that if we've only got a population of 85,000, how do we afford to pay for all that? Because we keep on hearing that our finances are not good. So there must be some kind of line in the middle that the Treasury constantly has no. to walk along. Well, here we get to the, the Douglas problem, which has been uh, talked about for many years, but nobody has really talked about it uh, in, with a view to doing anything about it. And that is the structure of taxation. You know, we have a welfare state. Um, the more money you have, the more money effectively government gives you. Um, um, we spend a lot of money essentially uh, subsidising tax breaks for you know, the wealthier, high net worth individuals and such like. And you know, the return on that, you know, it's, just, um, it's just not feasible. Also, when you look at the amount of tax take that... Um, somewhere like the UK has, the UK tax burden, I think, is something like uh, 45, 47% of gross domestic product. Mm -hmm. Um, Whereas here, it's something like 22, 25%. Now, that shows that there is room for a bit more taxation um, to actually fund public services and to, to make things as they as they should be, and to also have a a, um, you know, a more uh, I wouldn't like to say more egalitarian society, but certainly one where inequalities are reduced, and where um, you know, the nation feels at ease with itself, 
But the question um, is, I, I quite, I'll, I'll just, sorry, I'm just going to challenge on that one, Bonds. I mean, the UK tax burden, just to let you know, it's currently um, at 33.5%, so it's quite a way under 40-odd. But the question is that our tax burden being lower here is the excuse that's used for, number one, attracting people to our island, uh, because, um, and in many areas... The, the standard of living is not necessarily higher in terms of the social life and the the spiritual life of actually living in a place. Um, it used to be called chairman's wife syndrome in the old days. The Isle of Man is, is lacking in a number of areas, which um, we could turn around and say, well, I'll tell you what, if we did have higher taxes, we could pay for a whole lot of other things. But... You move here for the beauty of the island. You move here um, possibly for the financial benefits of the island. And it's a quid pro quo that you might not get the same facilities and same entertainment, the same links, and the same ability just to hop off on holiday with your family that you'll get in the UK. So one balances well, out well, the other. But, well, that's all very well for the chairman's wife. But hmm. what about for the people who are um, in relatively uh, middle ra- middle ranking, uh, roles in the various uh, key sectors mm-hmm. who can't afford, or, or indeed key workers who can't afford to live here or work here so it, it, it basically pushes up back to the argument i uh, made slightly earlier which is is the isle of man becoming uh, an even bigger divide of the haves and the have nots as the cost of living crisis uh, is, is is hitting absolutely absolutely so, so what, what's, what's your, if, in a nutshell, if this was general election and Bonzo was standing and I'm interviewing him on Banks Radio, you've got 30 seconds to tell me how you would, um, what would be your key policy on taxation that would um, sort it all out, as it were? Fair, progressive taxation, which is what we're supposed to have, but which we don't. Why do, um, why so do you think they avoid that? Why, why do you think they avoid that then? Why, was it not, why is it not happening if it's that simple? Uh, because, of course, it doesn't serve vested interests and um, various interest groups. Hmm. You know, there is a 20%, you know, there is a 20%, or, well, pr- probably lower than that, but uh, certain, but certainly uh, in the top 20%, the Isle of, of, of Incomes, the Isle of Man is a good place to live and work. Anywhere below that, it gets more difficult. Okay. So, well, thank you, Bonzo. I've got Stephen on the line. But, yeah, so you you basically think that um, when the budget comes out next month and we're going to hear possibly, I would imagine, this is me sort of putting words in people's mouths, but I'd imagine we're going to hear lots of cautionary tales about how we're in a financial sticky situation, the world is suffering, etc., that you feel that these are the kind of policies that really we should be getting brave and grasping with. Yeah. OK. Thank you, Bonzo. Thanks for your call. Lovely yeah. to speak to you. Keep keep the wokey flag flying, Bonzo. Um, it's always great to speak to Bonzo. Uh, now, Stephen's on the line. He's been waiting patiently. Good afternoon, Stephen. Thanks for waiting. Good afternoon, Alice, uh, Alex, and good afternoon, listeners. I suppose, in a, in a sense, what Bonzo was speaking about does have some impact on what I wish to speak about. And I think it probably goes back to the heart of our policy, which I suppose is broadly the right way, which is we have some high-value companies here which do not uh, have high impact in terms of factories, etc., but they do provide a vast uh, sum of money for us to be able to offset some of the uh, lower tax advantages that the island has. So for me, I think that's probably steady as she goes. But what I'd like to talk about and I'm sure you'll be aware of this, is 
The Timberwolf Select Committee on the Built Environment has published its interim report, mm. which is due to go to Timberwolf. And they, for me, it's sad, sad really that we that I read this, and I'll just uh, paraphrase some of read from some of the report, and that is. There, in its interim report, the committee said there is a negative discourse around the island's built heritage, particularly the system of registered buildings, which has regrettably been perpetuated by government and some politicians. Some aspects of planning policy and legislation are inconsistent with the aim of preserving, repurposing and enhancing our built heritage. There is also evidence that planning policy is being applied inconsistently. So that, uh, to me, it's a little bit worrying. I wonder which government departments they refer to and which politicians. Is this Coleman itself which is giving a negative aspect to the built environment? If it is, uh, they should come clean and tell us what their intentions are on the built environment, because it also goes on to speak about, and this is the important part, uh, the cessation of the historic buildings conservation scheme marked an unfortunate turning point. The removal of this scheme does not support the goal of preserving and enhancing the island's built heritage. There are opportunities for our built heritage to play a key role in supporting wider government policy, including not only our UNESCO biosphere status, but also the climate change plan, the economic strategy, and the built environment reform program. So it, it, for me, it is an important work that this committee is doing. And I would hope that possibly when you're getting your guests, uh, the government uh, ministers to come on, could we uh, put them under the caution, the spotlight a bit more, about this report and why the report has come up with this finding that, uh, that we're getting a negative support for the built heritage because I do think that for an island of our size and a population of our size, we do benefit from the built environment and the heritage railways, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, which do draw the tourists in that, we, that want to come here. Stephen, do you think a lot of this? I'm just going to I'm just going to um, question you on that. Do you feel that a lot of this is due to the fact that we've gotten to a mindset since 2008 that everything is cost, everything is cost, it's basically money going out, money going out. We don't actually see the value coming in either financially, because um, it was if it's indirect. The only thing that ever seems to win the indirect financial value argument seems to be the TT. And we all have to accept the TT because indirectly it supports the economy for this, that and the other. Um, but uh, everything is seen as cost and no value. And because we now don't have as much money washing about as we did prior to 2008, that we, we watch every penny of cost that goes out, no matter what value it has. Alex, I would I would wholeheartedly support your observation. I think the old saying used to be you'd throw the baby out with the bathwater. Mm -hmm. And I do feel that uh, an example of this muddled thinking is from the DOI, where they speak about possibly putting the heritage railways uh, with all the experiences got to a, to a charity. Now, I've got some friends who live in the UK, they 
travel to the Isle of Man four times a year. They're getting on now. They, Dennis tells me he used to work, or voluntary work, I should add, at one of the major lines in the UK. And I asked Dennis, could, uh, could, a, could a voluntary system work on the island or uh, have more not paid employees? He said, no, it would be impossible. You've got two simple problems. One is you're an island. Uh, and secondly, you haven't got the, the, the catchment area to draw in. It will be simply like, he said, to give an example, trying to run the TT for a season with, with the marshals all travelling from the UK. It's impossible. Do you know what? I mean, Stephen, I could, I could get you on this for a while as obviously somebody who runs a charity railway. Yes, it's a ludicrous idea and it's obviously a very, it's a political one uh, that comes around every now and then because politicians like the idea of us paying them taxes and then them having services which we then have to somehow support instead of them actually using our taxes for it. But the, the question I'm going to put to you um, now is that Select Committee, back to your original comment on this interim report on built heritage... I was going to raise today, if no one else raised it, select committees, what is the point of them? Because nothing happens. We, we spend an inordinate amount of time on the Isle of Man having hearings for select committees, reports are done, and the reports are presented to Timwald, and then nine times out of ten, nothing gets followed up. There's no requirement to get things followed up. Are they just a waste of money? People like to air the problems, but then things carry on as normal. Do you feel that select committees actually are an efficient way of getting... Um, the wrongs righted in our system. I think. I think my reply would be to you: the ability of Timwald to have a select committee is vitally important. The work that the select committee does is vitally important, and the recommendations. I do feel that the, there is some legislation that needs, and some work needs to be done by, I suppose, again a Timwald committee to find out what can be done to strengthen the ability of the various departments to take on board the recommendations. And I suppose it comes down to the, to the situation we've got when we elect people into the... Uh, we have a general election, we have a date with the unknown, we have a leader of the unknown, and the policies are unknown and I think it's probably incumbent upon us to try and uh, try and solve some of these things. For example, who 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 of us was ever asked by the can- the candidates in the last general election about the increase in the population to a hundred thousand? None of us. Mm. That's a good point. Yep. That um, if it's... Well, I do agree with you. I agree. Any mm. everything you've said there about the the work of committees. Okay. Well, thank you, Stephen. Uh, I'm going to have to move on, but thank you very much for your call. Stephen always comes up with some brilliant points there. Uh, Very much appreciated. Yeah, select committees. What is the point of them? Um, Because do we ever check back? Is there any any opportunity for um, Timwell to go back and say, actually, this was a recommendation. You are required to carry that out. Why is it not being done? When Timwell votes for something... Um, okay, I mean the Douglas Promenade was, of course, one that you know Timwald voted it the money, told it to do the horse tramway tracks, and yet we're very aware that um, another vote is going to return at some point for more money for the horse tram tracks, which they've already been given as a department. Okay, but there's no teeth to make the department do as they were told. See, these are these are questions you could be asking. Um, but thank you very much to Stephen there. Yes, the uh, uh, the committee on built heritage. There is a hearing today. That's taking place. John Moss will be reporting on that later. Um, But 
there, it does raise a number of serious questions about planning, and uh, we'll be covering that more on Manx Radio. Right, what's the time? Ten to one now. The Man in Line, brought to you by NetZeroMatrix.com, the world's leading carbon register and validation ecosystem. OK, only a few moments left on The Man in Line. I'm going to get some of your text. One thing I did want to play for you, um, that off the back of what Stephen was saying there before, um, because we always hear the argument, there's no money for this, there's no money for that, there's no money for that, and the top priorities are always health and education, of which there will never, if you're a realist, be enough money for. Um, there was an interview with Hugh Bonneville, on uh, BBC News, um, it was all to do with his new book, but he made a very interesting point that is uh, relative to here in the Isle of Man in terms of um, not just always spending all of our money and spending all of our time in Timwald uh, just talking about this legislation and this legislation and actually investing in things that make life worth living. And he was talking specifically about the arts, but listen to his comment. And if you're a politician or you're someone who cares about living here on the island, uh, his words, you know, they, they do... They do, so you say, strike a bell. The local councils and all the you know, funding bodies say, well, hang on, we're not going to fund that because it's so small and, and we can't see the boxes being ticked in terms of its economic value. Um, so much of what we do in, in human existence is nothing to do with economic value, it's to do with spiritual value and to do with growth. The arts contributes to that experience. The younger generation need to be given the confidence to express themselves, um, but uh, too many times it doesn't tick the boxes. So no, I'm not a great advocate for arts, uh, for saying you must fund the arts because of this at the expense of the NHS. Of course I'm not going to argue that, but there needs to be a balance and we're, it's all part of a huge uh, cake that we all need a bit of a slice of. That's uh, the actor Hugh Bonneville there talking. It's specifically about the arts, but it, it, it's basically the social fabric. Um, arts, heritage, culture, all those things that um, you can always turn around and say, there's not enough money for that. Yeah, but what makes life worth living? Um, a few more of your texts, and I've got a quick call on the line as well. Um, thank you very much to... Um, uh, oh, apparently, Pat says a select committee was set up in 2004 um, to look into the uh, the grants at the uh, the chief minister or the former chief minister's holiday cottages. It's not yet concluded. Uh, we'll uh, thank you for that uh, lead there, Pat. We'll look into that. And John says, Alex, interesting to know how many millions the reports have cost the taxpayer over the last three decades. Yeah, do I not remember the uh, almost urban myth? But it might be it might be true that we've spent more money on reports for the Queen's Pier and Ramsey than it would have cost to have restored it. Yeah. Um, Julian is on the line and uh, wants to bring up the topic of assisted dying. Good afternoon, Julian. Hey, Alex. Yeah, just a quick one. I know we haven't got much time. Um, yeah, Bill C-7, which Canada will be uh, modifying to allow for mentally ill who can self-certify themselves effectively uh, mm-hmm. without a doctor, um, that is coming in on March the 17th, which is two months and a week away. Um, it will also open the door for, with parental consent, down to 15 to 17-year-olds, um, and also 18-year-olds and beyond can can basically almost self-certify for it. Um, and the problem, I think, with it is, is it the original assisted dying thing, the MAID, which is what they call it over there, um, it's kind of opened the door. Um, and I think, in a way, I, I may be wrong with this, but if you look at why we got rid of the death penalty, is the reverse of this in some ways. And it all came down to three very important cases that happened in the 50s. And one of them was turned into a film with John Hurt called Ten Rillington Place. And it was based on a true story of a guy called Timothy Evans who was executed. Um, and it turned out that his neighbour was a serial killer. <laughs> oh. So if you see what I mean, there's mm-hmm. always this thing when you open the door, 
there's always this possibility of it being open to abuse. You know, say somebody's in a coma and somebody has enduring power of attorney over them, but they have partially signed up to some form of assisted dying thing, but they actually changed their their request to do it. Um, or somebody loses the power of the ability to express themselves. Um, there's a lot of people that have sort of thrown themselves off bridges in America and they've actually survived. And when they've been asked afterwards, they've actually said, I'm actually glad it didn't happen. When I was going down, you know, they sort of said, you know, I've realized that this is not the way that I should be doing this. There's, there's other ways to fix my life and make things better. Julian, um, well, I've got about 30 seconds left, but if um, I'm playing devil's advocate on the fence here, that, that the people who are in favour of assisted dying would argue that um, that in the case that they're putting forward, which isn't the same as Bill C-7 from Canada, there are safeguards, and this is for uh, you know very specific use. Um, how would you say that actually they feel strong enough that they want this um, in place and there's safeguards in, in, in place? What would you say to them? Um, I'd say that future governments may want to retune it like Canada's doing at the moment. The original people who created the MAID system in America never envisaged this to happen. So it's being altered from a political point. So who knows in the future who might want to open up the taps on this and, you know, you'll have your safeguards, but they're being modified in Canada. So who knows what might happen in the future? That's why once the door cracks open, got big problems potentially in the future. OK, Julian, thank you very much for your call. Very much appreciate it. Have a good afternoon. Thanks, guys. Cheers. Julian there um, wading into the assisted dying debate. Well, that's it. We're out of time. Thank you very much for your comments on The Man in Line this afternoon. Quite a lot got through there. Select committees. What's the point? We didn't even get to talk about things like whether you're looking after yourself more instead of going to A&E. And many other things. I'll pass on all your comments to our news team here at Manx Radio. Thank you very much to Chris Quirk for producing the programme this afternoon. Who will be in this seat tomorrow? (laughs) Who knows? Have a great afternoon, won't you?